I'm Jerome Hudson, Breitbart News Entertainment Editor, author of the book, 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump, sitting in for Breitbart News Editor-in-Chief Alex Marlowe. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, we try to make sense of the senseless. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and Vice President Kamala Harris announcing billions of your tax dollars funding the electric car and buses of the future on the very same day that gas prices hit an all-time high in America. You'll sadly have to decide whether to fill up your gas tank or feed your family, but don't worry, Joe Biden's green future is on the way thanks to electric batteries brought to you by Chinese slavers, batteries that go into electric vehicles that cost on average nearly $60,000 a pop. Of course, Donald Trump predicted the four, five, and six dollar gallon of gas you'll likely be paying at the pump today. Elsewhere, Biden's first year in office, he resettled more than 146,000 young border crossers across the United States. And speaking of the border, Joe Biden will be visiting Texas on Tuesday. Seems interesting the timing politically of this visit. He's going to be talking about health care initiatives for veterans at the same time. He's booting out thousands of military service men and women over his vaccine mandate. Joe Biden's presidency hitting another historic milestone just on Monday. Historic, of course, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, gas prices, if you have not heard, uh, just reached the highest level ever recorded in the history of the United States. Although uh, I do I do believe gas, uh, 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 gasoline powered uh, combustion engine uh, records, I guess they date back maybe a uh, 100 years. <laughs> um, but it's. It's bad out there, and all of the quote-unquote experts are only saying that it's only get, going to get worse. I did, though, find that the the news that I guess we were bracing for, because gas prices jumped, what, 20 cents over, over the weekend. I was with my reflexively liberal Harvard-educated friend on Sunday. We were going to grab a bite to eat, and I looked up, and it was three ninety nine for regular unleaded. Florida course where i live uh does have the benefit of not having the crushing gas uh taxes and fees like other states i think illinois is the worst followed by california and new york city but i gotta tell you and i've i've mentioned this ad nauseum uh, at this point just the sticker shock for me is just amazing i i just grew up middle class and i i mean i always thought my dad was cheap i later went on to describe him as uh, frugal but you know i i just never really experienced this type of sticker shock in my life i mean outside of i guess healthcare costs but a year ago with with groceries the everyday shopping cart items and sunday just 48 hours ago i, I just like 3.99 for regular unleaded my mind automatically goes to the people uh who have to actually commute uh, whether to get to their job or if, like so many of you in this audience, commuting is your job, that be uh, the truckers out there. The backbone of the United States economy, um, I, I can't imagine. I can imagine. And that doesn't even get into diesel prices. And that was on Sunday. By the time we all woke up on Monday, those numbers had already changed. Amazingly, though, we get the horrible news that gasoline prices in the United States reach historic levels unseen in recorded United States history on that same day. It just so happened that Transportary, uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg was was on the road promoting Monday uh, electric cars. Ele that's right. Electric vehicles as the solution to America's struggling from high gas prices. Charlie Spearing reporting uh, his headline, Pete, Pete Buttigieg promotes electric cars and, and public transportation as the solution to high, to high gas prices. Like this, this event 
uh, alongside Kamala Harris, which you know you, you just know was that the room was just feel, full with stale air. Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris being in the same room, like they, they, this event is scheduled. It's just this is where we get into like is this administration just full of clowns and is it stupid hour all the time? Like maybe this event was planned weeks, perhaps months ago. Um, but it just happened to, to, to fall on the very day that, that, that the U.S. gas prices hit historic highs. That you have two of the most smug buffoons in the White House promoting electric vehicles. The average cost, by the way, of an electric vehicle, over $56,000 after subsidies. <laughs> uh, but so, so, but, but the, whole, the whole push, though... As insulting as it is, given the price point on these electric cars and these these buses that are a part of this massive expansion of the public transportation uh, economy that these corrupt clowns are pushing, um, it's 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 listening to them, and in in this so-called solution this transition away we've been hearing this for over a decade probably how we're going to transition off of fossil fuels i i mean i i I sent charlie some messages yesterday i was like where the hell's the date is there any time frame do they speak of timing does the legislation does the many you know uh, green uh executive orders that joe biden signed do they have some sort of a date or time frame attached to them Uh, because because in this amazing report of this Pete Buttigieg Kamala Harris uh, solutions to Americans uh, event on Monday like there's no date there's literally no date in the article closest thing I, I could find was the president's federal sustainability plan outlined in executive order 14057 also calls for 100% of all annual medium and heavy duty vehicle acquisitions to be zero emissions by 2035. I know the Green New Deal wants the combustible engine to be uh, uh, obsolete in, 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 by, by in, a, in a decade, I do believe, somewhere in the 2030s. <laughs> but it's all this hokey talk about transitioning. They never actually get into the granular details about, you know, how that looks for the people who work in industries that are heavily reliant on gasoline and diesel, fossil fuels. (sighs) But but boy, boy, do we have some great audio. Here is Pete Buttigieg, a man who wants to be president of the United States, has probably not spent a day in his life actually doing any good thing to better the lives of any human being. Maybe notwithstanding his his military service, although it's unclear what he was actually doing uh, while he was in the military. We we, we hear about it. But here Pete Buttigieg is promoting electric vehicles on the day that you all realized and find out that you'll be paying more for gas than any American has ever paid. Clip 14. Transit is even better when it's clean transit with modern electric buses that don't pollute at all. We often talk about the costs of failure on climate, and for good reason, but we should also celebrate what Americans stand to gain through our transformation to a cleaner transportation system. For example, we're talking about a lot of good jobs with the choice to join a union, building, maintaining, and operating the electric transit buses of the future. And for the first time in this program, we have dedicated funding for training to make sure that the skilled operators and the mechanics working on diesel buses today are ready to be the electric transit workforce of tomorrow. And these electric buses must be built in America, something that will create a lot of good paying manufacturing jobs across the country. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. So today is about how we can deliver cleaner air, a better climate, affordable transportation, and good jobs all at once. Don't you just feel better now? I I certainly don't. Um, To just hear him, just talk about it. 
I mean, Pete Buttigieg isn't a millionaire. He certainly is on his way to being one. He's already been profiled in several documentaries. I think he's already had a book. God knows he's probably going to put out another book, and that's probably going to be debated and kicked around as a sign. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't run for president. Pete Buttigieg and Chastin, his husband, and their twins, I think they have, they're, they're going to be okay. They really are. This event was, you know, uh, the, the, the usual suspects, business uh, owners and leaders in the industry of electric cars and the sustainable energy future. A lot of press, but certainly, certainly, though, not any of you. Certainly, if you are under the sound of my voice in your town, in your community, your rural area will be affected by this type of social engineering. The, the, the people being affected by this were not at the event yesterday while Pete Buttigieg was was announcing all of all of your tax dollars being spent to these initiatives. Again, that we don't actually know when they'll actually be in effect and up and running, but they're, they're building it out and they're expanding it. So that's good, I guess. Kamala Harris uh, saying that it's she literally said that it's it's the this sustainable future that we're pouring billions of dollars into uh, is a dream. It's a dream. Those electric buses, by the way, I mean, I know it's probably been three or four months since we reported that Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, who, again, has been probably at this point spent over half of her life in public service. I'm not actually sure what she's done or accomplished or uh, making anyone's life any better. And she was former Michigan governor. Um, so the, 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 she, Jennifer Granholm is subject of an ethics complaint for promoting in her role as member of the executive branch in Biden's White House and electric bus company, she sat on the board of and held over a million dollars in stock. Yeah, Pratera. Remember that name, because it's the bus company that's going to certainly benefit from all this green expansion and the save the saving of the planet. <laughs> With Kamala Harris talk, talking about the transition to uh, pricey, electric vehicles in this green new future. It's, it's going to be a turning point, guys. Clip 15. Imagine a future. The freight trucks that deliver bread and milk to our grocery store shelves and the buses that take children to school and, and parents to work. Imagine all the heavy duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Well, you all imagined it. That's why we're here today. Because we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been and then to make the possible actually happen. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Imagine a person so ridiculous. Is there any surprise why she actually dropped out of the Democrat primary before any actual Democrat presidential primaries were held. <laughs> that, that woman is just so close to being commander-in-chief and president of the United States. Oh, man. That, that's your daily reminder of, uh, of the fact that, yes, yes, if you, if, you, if you think for whatever reason, and I, I cannot imagine why you would think that it couldn't get worse, there's your daily reminder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It could. The, the great David Burge, uh, known as Iowa Hawk blog on Twitter, he, he says maybe six dollars per gallon gasoline will hopefully help wean Americans from unsustainable elected idiots. We can only hope. So uh, the, the, the President Biden has been reported as gallivanting all over the world, rather uh, in person, reportedly, he, he, he may he may actually make a trip to uh, Saudi Arabia to 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 beg for more oil production. But he's he's gone to OPEC repeatedly, as administration officials have and have been rebuffed. Um, Iran, uh, a deal, an Iran deal. Yes. The, the, the from the Ob Obama Biden administration to the Biden administration 
uh, we're, we're back in, into talks and negotiations that, that are uh, real, real close to the finish line on an Iran deal. So, so I, oil from Iran is on the table. And Venezuela, uh, we, we have reports um, that the, the Joe Biden has gone to Venezuela um, to, so to, to, to beg a country um, run by a dictator to produce more oil. You see how this works? Uh, Jen Psaki, the face of the worst administration in the history of the, of the country, uh, is out there saying that Joe Biden is doing everything in his power to lower gas prices. Yeah, right. Clip one. Well, the president's message is that he is going to do everything we can, everything he can, to reduce the impact on the American people, including uh, the price of gas at the tank. What is also true is that because of the actions of President Putin, because he invaded a sovereign country, that created instability in the markets. That is something the president talked about even before uh, Russia and President Putin moved forward with their actions. Uh, but we have already taken steps. The president has already taken steps. Historic release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, one that's done in a coordinated fashion. And clearly, we will continue to have conversations with large oil producers and suppliers around the world about how to mitigate the impact and and consider domestic options as well steps he's taking steps guys our own francis martel multiple major corporate out outlets in america reported this week that president joe biden sent a delegation to venezuela to meet with socialist dictator nicolas maduro reportedly to discuss buying venezuelan oil the price of crude oil skyrocketed internationally in light of the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine, although gas prices were skyrocketing before that. While the war began in 2014, hostilities escalated last month after Russia's strongman Vladimir Putin announced that he would invade the country. Um, and so uh, Francis goes on to point out that, uh, you know, M Maduro, who has ruled the country since 2003, but lost his legitimacy in 2018, <laughs> dude's a dictator, has vocally stood alongside Putin during the last two weeks of his military operation in Ukraine. Maduro has echoed accusations of Nazism against Zelensky, who, by the way, is Jewish, used his Twitter account to promote false information, such as sharing a clip from Zelensky's sitcom Servant of the People and claiming it was a presidential campaign ad. Maduro has also blamed the United States for the roar between Russia and Ukraine. So this is the guy that Joe Biden is sending a delegation to to beg for more production of oil. Venezuela, of course, was once the richest country in the Western Hemisphere because of its rich and abundant supply of oil. It is no more, and it has not been, and it may never be again because, well, a dictator runs the country. Um, and so this, I guess, is what Jen, Jen Psaki was alluding to when she said that Joe Biden is doing everything that he can. He's actually doing it he's sending his stooges to talk to a dictator about producing more oil uh, to forget the fact that we are sitting on probably the largest reserve of, of of fossil fuels right here in the united states including alaska um but but if if you if you're going to talk to a dictator in in venezuela um about producing more oil and gas um, for the world market, and certainly I, I, I assume that some of that would be exported to the United States, who you know has very close ties to Russia's Vladimir Putin. Like, what in the actual hell are you thinking? Any benefit that comes from Venezuela's oil, oil production increasing on the world market is going to redound to the benefit of Vladimir Putin, who this administration is saying is the most dangerous man on the planet, Vladimir Putin. Um, these people are, are stupid to the level of dangerous. Um, yes, we import Russian oil, but much less than Europe does, Jen Psaki says. Clip two. If you look at um, 
uh, Russian imports. They account for about a third currently of Europe's oil imports. So the data we have that's most that we have available at this point in time is back to 2021, not that long ago. But just to give you a point of comparison, uh, the amount that the United States in, was importing back in 2021 before the invasion was about 700,000 barrels per day of crude oil and petroleum. The Europeans import about 4.5 million barrels per day uh, of oil. So obviously we're also very well aware as we're having these conversations and as we're consulting with our partners that there would be uh, we have different capacities and capabilities. Jonathan Carl of ABC News, we import more oil from Russia than, than Saudi Arabia. I mean, the, 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 the worst dictators and political rulers on the planet literally have us right where they want us and they have the weakest president in office right now in in generations certainly uh since jimmy carter but the country was so different when jimmy carter was president um i mean there are literally tens of millions more people living and working in this country now today than than they and there were when jimmy carter was president it's almost it's almost not even a, a good comparison to make. Yes, Jimmy Carter was weak on the national stage. Yes, the country was was suffocated by economic turmoil, largely due to his decisions or indecisions. But my goodness, um, Jinzaki goes on to say we're having discussions about banning Russian oil imports, which is to me just like okay. Why aren't you having discussions with American energy producers and the heads of those companies? Like, like, I don't care. I I mean, it matters, but like what matters more? Having discussions about banning Russian oil, which to me feels like, oh, we'll just throw that out there and we'll let the media and people talk about it and report on it. And it'll become a a, a big, uh, you know, debate topic. And then when we do ban Russian oil, because we've already sort of prepped the ground and told people we we, got to do it because it's about democracy. You're going to feel the pain at the pump more because we banned Russian oil, but this was a good thing to do. Despite the fact that seven in 10 Americans, according to Quinnipiac poll taken between March 4 and March 6, seven in 10 Americans want more U.S. energy production. But the conversation the White House wants to have is about them maybe or maybe not banning Russian oil imports. Because when they actually do it, if they do it, it'll be a big win. It'll be a big win. Oh, Fox News just put it up. Would you support a ban on Russian oil if it meant higher U.S. gas prices? 70% said yes. That's a trap. It's such a trap. Who the hell cares about a discussion about whether or, 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 or not the White House, the Biden White House, will ban Russian oil? 100% of the conversation should be about why the hell has this guy done everything in his power to destroy U.S. oil and gas and energy production after his former boss, Barack Obama, said that it couldn't happen. And then it did happen. We became a net exporter. We're still the largest exporter of oil uh, and gas in the country. But, but we're literally running on the fumes of the Trump administration in that regard. Speaking of Trump, he predicted all of this, of course. This was on a, a, a campaign trail in 2020. Dude literally predicted the future. I don't like, I don't like the future because it's full of ridiculous TikTok videos and $6 gas. Clip 17. You have more oil than anybody, okay? And it's uh, an incredible thing that have, it's happened over the last few years, a lot of great things. And you're paying, what, $2 a gallon for your gasoline? That's okay. You know what that's like? That's like a tax cut. That's bigger than a tax cut. If Biden got in, you'd be paying $7, $8, $9. Didn't they say, get rid of your car? Prices at some local gas stations, they're way above the average. Well, across the street from the Beverly Center, one of the most expensive places in L.A., drivers are paying this, nearly $7 for regular unleaded, nearly $8 for premium. Drivers said they were surprised and not in a good way. Gas prices climbing through the roof. The average here in L.A. County now reaching 5.37 a gallon this morning. That's about 50 cents more than it was just a week ago. Eyewitness News reporter Jade Hernandez live in Mid-City with the latest for us. Jade. 
All right, that's that's Good enough. Because you're just going to hear people who live in towns. I mean, it is amazing. Every reporter, every beat reporter, it seems, in every city and town in this country was sent out by their producers or editors to just accost people at gas stations. I mean, Twitter, especially conservative Twitter, is just filled with local reports of people at gas stations. And, and, and they're all shocked. Like, there's no blood in these people's faces because they're being introduced to a world and a reality that exists when you allow Democrats to run just about every organ of, of the federal government in this country, which is the reality that, that we live under right now. Um, in, in having my head down and in, 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 in finishing prepping for the this, this show, I just did what reflexively... Uh, I always do, and I just went to the lead story at Breitbart.com. Right now, Democrat Senator uh, Markley calls for, quote, climate emergency to solve the oil crisis. We need to have, quote, uh, have the world transition to green energy to undercut Russia. The the Democrat from Oregon and his wife together earn up to $200,000 from their four rental properties. Located in Washington, D.C., Portland, Oregon, uh, and are being operated by a management company. That from Business Insider just a uh, few months ago. So this guy earns a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's like 4x the average income for a family of four, I believe. Roundabout. A year, just on rental properties. So you got a millionaire senator from Oregon pushing for the same policies that all the other rich sons of bitches in the Biden White House are pushing for, a transition away from cheap and cleanest in the world fossil fuels and energy production. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's just, it's so insulting. It is so insulting. I mean, you actually just start to dig into this new green future um, I mean, the cobalt mines in the Congo and Africa, just rampant abuse and racism. The Chinese have just moved in and they're just the, the, the worst people on the planet being abusers. Uh, and that's that, that that that's a mineral that is very, very important to the component of car batteries. Yeah. yeah. China's just moved in years ago to Africa. And, and the abuse is off the charts. Of course it is. I've, I've, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. You know, if you look at uh, solar panels, um, the, the, the rare earth mineral being uh, used there, China owns 70% of that market. Um, the lithium ion. Uh, and, you know, they're using those Uyghur slaves. Why in the world would China need millions uh, of 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 forced labor slaves why would they do it it's not for the the the, the rampant rapes and the, the organ harvesting i mean that's a part of it um but this is a this is the cheapest labor force there's no labor force cheaper than slave labor and that's what uh, china has in spades <laughs> joined on the program by Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator Blackburn talked about how she called out Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez over the $2 gas under President Trump and how AOC should be thanking the former president for Operation Warp Speed. Senator Blackburn also talked about her resolutions to kick Russia off the UN Security Council and booting the Kremlin off the Swiss banking system. I also asked Senator Blackburn the message it sends America's enemies around the world to have a president in Joe Biden begging those very same enemies to produce more oil when we have an abundance of it right here at home. Senator, welcome back to the program. It's good to join you. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we, I believe it was not that long ago where we last spoke. Uh, and in that time, I love to see that you put on the brass knuckles and took it to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez 
who who had the audacity to respond to you tweeting that under Trump gas was about two dollars and seventeen cents in twenty twenty. Uh, and she pointed out that maybe it had something to do with COVID and people dying, uh, and 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 COVID, and COVID vaccines weren't out yet. And you said, and you can thank President Trump and warp speed for your vaccine. Uh, I, I don't know if she responded uh, after that, but I'm, I'm not sure she could, she could come back from that. You know, I actually looked it up, Senator, and you were absolutely right. And I looked at January 2018, January 2019, and January 2020. Gas prices averaged at about $2.30 for three years. Um, and so this actually undercuts AOC's point, um, I, I think, it, it certainly uh, was a misguided point. It wasn't just that gas prices were low during the pandemic. They remained low um, for for most of, for all of Donald Trump's uh, presidency. And that is obviously just one feature of uh, President Trump's overall energy policy that made this country That's not right. only energy independent, but a, a, a massive exporter to, for, for energy across around the world. And it made us safer. That's exactly right. And uh, see, one of the things that she does not understand is that the oil market needs certainty. They need to know that the Keystone Pipeline is going to be there and not be disrupted. They need to know that when someone acquires a federal uh, land permit or a lease, that they're going to be able to exercise that option of utilizing that lease because energy is an intensive business. It is an infrastructure intensive business. And it costs a lot to drill, to explore, to drill, to put in that well and that pumper. And then if you have to go in and cap Mm -hmm. that well, it is something that is going to adversely impact not only employment, but also it impacts the bottom line. So she's off base in her assumption that COVID was the, deter- the determinant of energy. Indeed, it was not. People drove their cars more as they went through this. But, you know, I would invite her to join me and visit um, one of the areas in South Florida or Alabama or Mississippi or Louisiana or Texas and actually go into the oil patch, if you will, and visit with people that are working for some of the oil companies. Visit with the wildcatters that are putting these in. Talk to people that are dealing with the rigs and the platforms and the infrastructure and have a more fulsome understanding of what is involved there. You know, Jerome, it would be great if we had an operation warp speed for our nation's energy. If we had a president who would challenge the companies and the federal agencies to work together for the good of the American people, like President Trump did when he did Operation Warp Speed to get a vaccine to market within months, not years. Yeah. Don't hold your breath, Senator. I I, I hate to bring it to you, but (laughs) Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez barely spends time in her own congressional district. I don't think she's going to fly first class. Well, when I hear uh, she goes to Miami where she doesn't have to wear a mask. Uh, but but it's just good though because this woman has been put on every uh, magazine cover um, in every talk show she's been completely feeded as some sort of leader um, and she's she's a complete hypocrite so it's good to see uh, you pushing back it's also um, good uh, to see opportunities here where it kind of feels like the Republicans have one so uh, Congress is currently drafting a 1.5 trillion dollar omnibus spending bill in the House Freedom Caucus and a lot of uh, uh, of, of good senators like yourself um, either want to defund Biden's vaccine mandates or bring back the Keystone XL pipeline and secure the border um, uh, as leverage. Um, I love to see this. Um, you know, the Republican Party isn't a minority, but I, I, I don't see anything wrong with 
um, of negotiating and using the leverage needed um, in this situation? One of the things we ought to be doing every single day is pushing back on what the left is doing, because the left has a goal, and it is to radically transform this government. Barack Obama laid it out when he was president. They thought they were going to do it with Hillary Clinton as president. That would have been the third term of the leftist, and they didn't get that. And now they are full steam ahead, and they feel like they're running out of runway because they know they're going to lose the House and the Senate in the elections in 22. And the American people are looking what is happening with energy, what is happening with the price at the pump, the grocery store, uh, fees that they're having to pay. Uh, It costs more to run everything. The cost of everything has gone up. And when you are a Tennessee family and you've got two cars in the family and every time you pull into the pump, you're paying another 20 to $25. Um, where I live in middle Tennessee, uh, $4.05 a gallon is what gas was going for at Sam's wholesale this weekend. So this is what people are facing. And they had more money in their paycheck. They had more money at the end of the month yeah. when they had Donald Trump as president. And as one of my Tennessean Tennessean said last week, now they've got too much month left at the end of their money. And this is what is, first and foremost, they look at this, they look at the complexities that have arisen out of the debacle of Afghanistan, what is happening with Russia, with Ukraine, their concerns there, they're keeping an eye on how China is expressing their involvement in this, and they're saying, hey, wait a minute. Um, things are getting out of control with this administration, and it's time to really push back on this. They feel like they gave Biden an opportunity to govern, and he has failed at that. And now they do want to see some pushback, and we are within our right. And on behalf of our citizens we represent to push back on the mess that the Democrats have made out of um, this opportunity they were given to govern. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee, joining the program um, right now. And it's all interconnected, The what's happening in Ukraine right now, and the fact that the United States crude, crude oil imports from Russia are up 40% under Biden compared to Trump. And you couple that with the fact that, that Joe Biden himself it reports maybe he, he's going to Saudi Arabia, but he sent a delegation to beg for a dictator in Maduro and Venezuela to, to, to produce more oil. Um, it, it, it just if, if you had the question of how the situ, a bad situation could get worse, it just seems that on every day the Biden administration is reminding us and informing us of how it, it just yesterday with gas prices hitting a record high in this country, you had Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris talking about transitioning to electric vehicles and electric transit. When the average cost of an electric vehicle is almost $60,000, what family struggling yeah, to, you know, yeah. you know what, Jerome, I was looking at some of these comments they made yesterday and Jen Psaki's comments. Yeah. Uh, it is foolish for Jen Psaki to stand there and say, oh, it would take too long to finish the Keystone Pipeline. It wouldn't make a difference. Um, because Keystone, from Cushing, Oklahoma, to the Gulf, it is finished. And it is that northern track that was partially finished and needed to be completed. Right. Now, here is the deal. If you were to look at transitioning to electric vehicles, you have to walk this back and look at the ability of our electric power generators to generate the the amount, the megawatts that are going to be needed to fuel an all-electric fleet. Yeah. Uh, then you have to look at the ability of the distributors, the electric power distributors, to distribute 
all of the electricity that would be needed. You have to look at places, let's say, Great Tennessee Company Pilot Oil. Mm-hmm. They have to put in charging stations. They have to be fast charging stations. You have to look at the amount of electricity that each of those fast charge stations are going to pull. And if you think of it in terms of homes, let's say it takes the equivalent of 100 homes or 200 homes for each charging station. And as you've had maybe 10 pumps, you have to have 10 charging stations. So that would be the equivalent of a 1,000 or 2,500 homes. Think about the amount of infrastructure that that requires. Now, right now, we have a problem getting steel and things like that into the country. China has a lock on a lot of this. So how are they going to build that infrastructure? There is a, a long lead and let me, I, I would be willing to, to say Keystone would be finished before we have built out the capacity of electric power generation and of the distribution systems to power a fully electric fleet. Yeah. Republican Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn joining the program right now. You're leading the uh, the charge, um, Senator, with this resolution to remove Russia from the SWIFT banking system. Um, what needs to be done and what impact would that have uh, with Russia? Well, the um, what we are trying to do on a couple of fronts, get Russia, the sense of the Senate resolution would, I've got to, one would remove Russia from the UN Security Council. The second would remove all Russian banks from the SWIFT banking system. Right now, the uh, sanctions are in place on everything but energy through the SWIFT system. And what we need to do is to sanction Russian energy right. so that they are not able to sell their energy on on the world market. It is absolutely ludicrous <laughs> that this administration is importing 670,000 barrels of oil per day, much of that from Russia, and then they're trying to do a new Iran nuclear deal with the Russians as the intermediary because Iran will not talk to the United States. And then part of this is buying Iranian oil so that Iran has money to go be even more active as the largest state sponsor of terrorism. Or Maduro in Venezuela, another strong man, when people are fleeing his country and trying to come in across our southern border to escape the tyranny and oppression that is there, this makes no it makes no sense at all. It would seem uh, like that, you know, I don't know how Russia even has a seat on the U.N. Security Council. Um, but with all of the, the the rhetoric coming out of that body, it seems like this this is low hanging fruit. Um, I don't know how I don't know how the legitimacy of the United Nations, particularly the Security Council, stands if Russia remains a member um, of it, uh, in, in all of the dictatorships, for that matter, um, but 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 do do you do you do you see support um, mounting and in, in, in the resolution actually passing? I I think that being able to force the issue of this resolution and yes, indeed, seeking to get this passed, this is something that we need to do. And the U.S. Senate needs to be heard on this issue. Uh, people need to stand up and say no to Russia, no to the strong men, no to the tyrants who are trying to hold us hostage with oil because they know we're an energy-based economy. Yeah. And it is the moves, unfortunately, that this administration has chosen to make that have put us in this perilous position. Well, Senator, um, we'll certainly um, stay on top of it, as um, we know you will as well. Thank you so much for joining the program. Thank you.
Breitbart's David Ng, entertainment reporter, also joined the program. David and I discussed the left's latest pressure campaign to get Disney to come out against Florida lawmakers behind a bill (laughs) that would just restrict the teaching of sexuality and transgenderism to kids in kindergarten through third grade. Oh, the horror. We also discussed Netflix, virtue signaling in Russia, and Alec Baldwin just made some comments that might get him into even more legal trouble. Good morning, David. Good morning, Jerome. It's great to be here. David does not want to be an editor, uh, despite my many, many attempts uh, to to bring him into the fold. But I'll keep at it. Um, so I, this 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 story is amazing. Um, your headline: Desperation. Left wingers call for Disney to boycott uh, over Florida bill barring teacher teaching sexuality to young students. So this is an amazing progression, um, what the Democrats are calling the don't say gay bill. Um, it just passed the Senate, or it looks like it's about to pass the Senate, and uh, which I think is the final hurdle before it goes to Ron DeSantis's desk. Um, but this, this story's um, taken some interesting turns, um, and I think we talked about it before a couple weeks ago. Um, but what but what's this latest push, this pressure campaign from the left to try to stop a bill that, again, would bar conversations about sexuality and gender between adult teachers uh, and five year old students in the classroom? Yeah. So what the what the left wing is doing right now is they're going after Disney, because, as we all know, Disney is one of the largest employers, uh, private employers in, in the state of Florida. Um, and therefore, it has a lot of leverage over politicians, policy, et cetera. Um, so they're, they're going full bore at Disney. And they you know, in recent weeks, they've tried to pressure Disney into taking a, a position on the on the bill. Um, and Disney, uh, interestingly enough, has a new CEO. Well, he's not new. He's like maybe a couple years old, but he, his name is Bob Chapek, and he succeeded Bob Iger. And you've, you'll notice a huge kind of cultural shift within the Disney Corporation because Chapek, unlike Iger, uh, is very reluctant to take political positions, open political positions right. on divisive issues like this bill. And so far, he has resisted um, coming down on one side or another, and this has enraged uh, people in the media has enraged uh, gay activists, transgender activists, uh, who are claiming that by not saying anything, Disney is in fact tacitly giving its approval to the bill. Silence which is, of course, not true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so the latest iteration of, of, of this is that, um, you know, they are calling for a boycott of Disney, which um, is, of course, absurd because Disney owns like a million companies. You can possibly boycott Disney even if you tried. Um, right. they're, they're just everywhere. Um, so I doubt this has it's going to have you know much momentum, but um, they're, they're they're trying to put as much pressure on Disney to to make a statement, to to condemn this bill, um, and I, you know I, I think what they're going to try to do next is bring in bring in the celebrities, bring in the stars uh, who um, you know who work for Disney or who would like to work for Disney and and, and put pressure that way. So I think that's that's what's going to happen next when Disney continues to refuse to. Uh, to, uh, to to take a position on this legislation. I mean, I, I just, you know, it's it's about the hypersexualization of kindergartners and first and second and third graders. These these young children are not near the age and the maturity to have the types of conversations that appear to be happening in classrooms, both private and public around the country, sadly. And that that's really the conversation. I mean, what type of person um, the bill doesn't even have the word gay in it. It is just saying that the, the this type of sexual conversation, uh, a child's gender, that conversation should not be led by a school administrator or teacher. Like that's that's basically the bill. And the fact that we even need a law uh, to outlaw such conversations is is an entirely different conversation, I guess. But that 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 that's the that's what's happening here. Um, I mean, do you think that this pressure campaign will work? It doesn't seem like Bob uh, Chipek wants anything to do with sort of the politicization of Disney. I think the bottom line is 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 how he got uh, into that position. And that seems like, you know, priority number one, two and three. Um, But but the, the left can make life miserable. And, 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 you know, Disney has shown that it, it, it can be a force for the woke in the past. It's in a, it's in a tenuous spot. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. My sense is that Bob Chapek is, you know, is a very, very strong uh, leader who knows what he wants and will dig his heels in. Hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that he will continue to do so. But like you said, you know, um, you know, there, there, there is no low to which the left will not stoop. And I think um, if they continue to kind of you know, bring in the celebrities, bring in the A-lister celebrities to, 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 to take a stand, to make a stink about it. That's when you might see some, some, uh, some retraction from Disney, I think. Yeah, well, um, it's an amazing story, and you know, the, you know, <laughs> the fact that I've lived in this state longer than you have, and uh, you know, you 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 left uh, California for the free state of Florida. I just got to tell you, like this state is just becoming redder and redder, and it's stuff like this. It's these overreaches from the left, and this one's just so creepy because everything about the hypersexualization of children, young children in the classroom, is just. It's just a non-starter for so many parents, and here they are. I mean, it's just relentless. Um, but you know, <laughs> that's 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 our daily lives in a nutshell. Um, so I don't know if we have the audio uh, here, um, but Stephen Colbert, it, it appears on last night's program. Um, I mean, he he was basically like, "Let them eat lithium." Uh, let's play that audio. Russia has been hit with a series of crippling sanctions, and it looks like there's more to come because the U.S. and its European allies are now discussing banning imports of Russian oil. Take that, Putin. We're not going to buy our gas from a war criminal. We're going to buy it from the good guys, Saudi Arabia. (laughs) But it's going to cost. Since the invasion, oil prices have skyrocketed. Today, the average gas price in America hit an all-time record high of over $4 per gallon. Okay, that stings, but a clean conscience is worth a buck or two. I'm willing to pay. It's important. It's important. I'm willing to pay $4 a gallon. Hell, I'll pay $15 a gallon because I drive a Tesla. I mean, we get that he's a clown um, and he's a freak, and but he he is worth an estimated seventy five million dollars. And at a point on the day, David, that the that every American uh, who uh, has to put gasoline in their car or their truck um, is paying more than any time in the history of this country. On that day, this clown gets up on CBS. Uh, TV show and tells that joke, whether it's true or not, like there's real actual pain that people are feeling out there every time they pull up to the gas station on top of all of the other inflated costs, like the cost to heat their homes and the, the price of food, you name it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, let them eat lithium is probably not the best way to go, particularly for Stephen Colbert, who I'm pretty sure is going to be the butt end of the face of the next Democratic push in the coming election. No, but I think that's what that's the narrative that we're going to see, you know, heading heading forward. We're, al- we're already seeing some celebrities, you know, pushing this narrative like, yes, I'm willing to pay, you know, eight, nine dollars a gallon for gas if it means freedom for Ukraine. Um I think that's the narrative they're going to push. And it's absurd because, like you pointed out, it's not just, you know, filling up your tank. It's, you know, the food you put on your table. It's everything um, that, that is affected by this. Um, and I don't know how they think this is a winning narrative. Um, it's kind of bizarre to me yes. um, that they think people will be, would be willing to sacrifice, um, you know, their lives, their livelihoods, you know, for, um, for the Ukraine. It's just it's just an absurd thing to ask uh, the American people. Well, um, you know, welcome to my reality. I I often feel weird asking guests like I just asked John Hayward. I was like, how does it make any sense for the the Biden administration to be siding with Russia in in the, the Iranian nuclear deal talks while we're sanctioning Russia. And it doesn't make sense for Biden to be going around to dictators in Venezuela and OPEC nations begging for them to produce more oil. It doesn't make any sense for Biden to kick the southern border wide open when he knows that you can see Hispanics being driven away from Democrats for that. Like none of it makes political sense, but at the end of the day, they'll all be rich and happy and insulated from the actual pain from their policies, just like Stephen Colbert. 
uh, David Ng joining the program. It is good that you, that you mentioned uh, uh, Ukraine because China has its tentacles deep in the situation. It's backing Russia and Netflix uh, is, is getting in the fight uh, and is saying that there will be no more binging uh, Netflix in Russia. Um, I'm not sure exactly what kind of solace this will bring, uh, the, the, the banning, uh, Netflix pulling its, its programming from Russia. I don't know what kind of solace that'll bring from the thousands of Russian protesters protesting Putin who were rounded up just in the last 24 hours. Um, but, but I, I mean, this is something, I guess, this, this, the corporate blacklisting of Russia, Netflix at the forefront. Yeah, no, it's absurd because, as as we, as we know, Netflix um, <laughs> has not hesitated to comply to censorship in countries like Saudi Arabia and Singapore. Right. Um, they they censored a comedy special by Hassan Minhaj in Saudi Arabia at the behest of that kingdom. Yep. Netflix censored um, Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ in Singapore uh, at the behest of that uh, nation. They also censored uh, marijuana documentaries on Netflix. Um, uh, at the request of Singapore. So Netflix is very happy to, to, to bend a knee for dictators. Um, this is, of course, just empty virtue signaling on their part. Uh, Russia, I, I, I suspect, represents a minuscule portion of their global revenue. Um, so for them, it's, 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 not, much of a, it's not much of a hit, um, and they can, they can take all the, the, the good publicity that comes with it. It's, it's very cheap, good publicity for them. Yeah, that's that. That is it. it the this sort of corporate black blacklisting campaigns in a nutshell. It 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 th- whatever they lose, you know, on on in terms of the bottom line, like they'll make it up somewhere else. I'm pretty sure Netflix CEO Reed Hastings probably secured another half dozen deals that have already made up for their decision to pull programming um, from Russia. Um, I, it just. I, 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 but this this seems to be dangerous to me because if the BDS movement ever actually gained any mainstream steam, thank God they haven't. But if but if one day you know it was decided, uh, like you know the Iran nuclear deal is happening, and if Israel feels threatened, um, should that deal come to, to 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 being close to signed and agreed upon, and they and, and Israel just bombs a bunch of. Uh, nuclear facilities or suspected nuclear facilities, you just never know when the day will come when Israel will be the next country that's blacklisted um, or, 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 or for whatever reason they come after Breitbart again. Um, it, it, I, I hate the reality in which a company that virtue signals on this scale and Netflix, I mean, they, they donate 96 to 1 to Democrats. We, we know what the political makeup of the company is, regardless if, they, if Ozark is a good TV show or not. Um, I hate the hypocrisy of it, and I do hate how much power they wield in sort of the absence of, of a government backstop regulating um, the, 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 them and other tech companies. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah, Netflix in many ways operates like a Democratic PAC. It, um, it funnels yeah. so much money to, uh, to Democratic politicians, it's ridiculous. Um, Reed Hastings, Ted Sarandos, uh, all big boosters. Of course, Obama still has his deal with Netflix. Um, so anything that Netflix does, you know, you, you know, we all know at this point to, to, to keep a wary eye on that. Uh, just because they are willing you know, to work with dictators. They're willing to work with, with repressive regimes. I mean, they, they just are. So, you know, what, whenever, you know, when they're saying that they're not going to, you know, do business in Russia anymore, it's, it's, it's just hollow posturing. Yeah. David Ng, Breitbart News Entertainment reporter joining the program. You can find him at Hey It's David Ng. Uh, I think he tweets sometimes. I think I've seen some tweeting from that account. Um, so, so Chinese-owned social media platform TikTok has suspended live streaming and content uploads from Russia following the country's invasion of Ukraine. Russia users can still watch videos on TikTok, but have been stripped of the ability to post any content. So, as I just mentioned, they just rounded up another 4,000, I think, uh, protesters uh, in, in Russia protesting Vladimir Putin. There have been reports that the local media isn't even reporting uh, what's happening, what what Putin is doing in Ukraine as a war, as an undemocratic invasion. Uh, I think their their Politburo just 
pass legislation that, you know, if, if you're deemed to be reporting, quote unquote, fake news, um, that you could be jailed up to 15 years. And now China, again, with its tentacles deep inside of the Kremlin, um, is shutting down Russians inside of, of the country's ability to post what's actually happening on TikTok. They can watch TikTok videos, but they can't post them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it, because there are so many protests within Russia against the war um, and they rely on social media. They rely on TikTok. They rely on these free platforms to get the message out. So to censor, uh, you know, we're always on the side of, you know, more free speech is is more. Um, So to censor TikTok for TikTok to kind of shut down, you know, the ability to post uh, certain videos. um, is is really um, a bizarre move on their part, you know, because um, it kind of stifles freedom of speech in many ways. Um, freedom of speech that is necessary to get the word out to other parts of the, of the world to find out for us in America what's happening over there. Um, so it's, um, it's a very bizarre thing when you realize, yeah. you know, obviously TikTok's ownership is, is, is China and what is actually going on there is, 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 um, it's pretty deceptive and, 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 um, and it's, it's hard to parse out what's actually their motive in this, but it's not a good sign. Um, you know, you have so many dissident voices that out there that are going to be silenced because of this. Yeah, no. Um, the only thing I can think is that anybody who cares anything about TikTok might see this story and, and therefore may be turned on to what is actually happening. I have to imagine there are probably a lot of people who don't, who in this country, uh, who don't actually realize the, the the extent of what Russia is doing in Ukraine? Who 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 might be turned on to it now because TikTok is involved? Um, Alec Baldwin um, responded to the lawsuit seeking to hold him accountable for last year's fatal shooting on the uh, set of the indie western Rust. Alec Baldwin is claiming he's being targeted because he is wealthy. Um, it's it's you know it's how, how stupid can Alec Baldwin be? Well, here's proof. I I I didn't believe I didn't believe this story um, when when uh, one of our editors brought it to my attention, uh, but um, I it's <laughs> he Alec Baldwin has deep pockets. Not the fact that he killed someone, uh, you know, and that that there's a there's a, a husband who's a widow now. Um, and and a, and a son who will grow up without a mother. That's that's not the reason that lawsuits are being filed against him. Do I have that right, David? It's because he's rich. Yeah, well, we know he's rich because he and his family just bought a palatial estate in Vermont uh, where they can uh, where they can retreat to. So um, so clearly they are rich. But yeah. you know, uh, this is this is a very interesting development, I think, in the whole Alec Baldwin case because. Um, usually lawyers will advise celebrities not to comment publicly on unfolding cases in which there might actually be criminal proceedings. Um, so obviously this is a legal strategy for him to put this out there. Um, you know, CNN got a hold of it. You know, who, who knows, you know, who tipped them off? Probably Alec sure. Baldwin's team. Um, to kind of put that narrative out there that, you know, these are just gold diggers, um, you know, you know, looking for, for a quick, you know, a quick paycheck. Um, and, and Alec Baldwin is just this innocent, uh, you know, victim of, of their greed and, and rapacity. Um, you know, you, kind of, you can kind of see the, the lawyers behind the scenes kind of pulling all the strings uh, in, in this. And you've got to think they're, they're trying to kind of maybe perhaps influence a future jury if this does get, go to, uh, to court in terms of criminal proceedings. Um, if they're trying to kind of persuade and kind of get that narrative out there to persuade any potential jurors of, of, of Baldwin's um, innocence or guilt. Uh, in all this. Um, so it's all very suspicious. And it's all very suspicious how this got out into the media. This happened at, it's funny, this happened at a obscure film festival in Colorado, where there right. normally wouldn't be much press. And suddenly it gets national attention. So you got to wonder who is, um, <laughs> who kind of disseminated this and, and put it into the, uh, into the public conversation. Yeah, um, I could certainly see sort of the argument, this is a witch hunt. Um, you know, what happened was tragic, but they're going after me, um, uh, not not because of what I did, but because of who I am and what I have and what they think they can extract from me. But again, it's the family of Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer that he killed, who has actually filed one of these wrongful death lawsuits. So I, I, I get the logic of the strategy. 
Um, but you know, I can't imagine, uh, her, her, her husband and son sitting in the courtroom and it really working at the end of the day on that jury, given the fact that Alec Baldwin was holding the gun that, that shot the shot that killed her. Um, but you know, what do I know? Um, <laughs> um, did, David, thanks so much for joining the program. Uh, good stuff. Thank you, Trump. I got American And that is the show. Thanks for supporting the podcast and Breitbart News. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm in love.